We're back with another episode of Ben Shen Talks Shit, and I'm very excited for today's guest. She is an inspiration of mine, especially when it comes to building the business and clarity of vision. We have Diana Cohen, who is the founder and CEO of Crown Affair. You have such an incredible background. I was doing my research because I met you through a friend, and we had a coffee or tea. How many years ago already was that? It must have been like three years ago, I feel like. Early pandemic is when we yeah. met, so about three years ago. And that we met through a friend, and it was just so sweet and casual, and I didn't realize, you know, the extent of who I was sitting with. You know, he was like, <laughs> you should meet, and you should meet. And it was really just like two friends chatting, which I always left an impression on me. And you have such an incredible background working with some of the biggest brands and the industry leaders from Into the Gloss to Mara Mellon to Away, Outdoor Voices. And you had your own company, Levitate, a marketing consultancy agency before you started Crown Affair. So to sum it all up, how did you get started? And for anybody who doesn't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for that. First of all, I feel like I, first of all, I was so excited to meet you. I remember it being early pandemic and a very dear mutual friend was like, you two need to meet. I'm putting you on text. You are figuring this out. And I, it was one of my favorite conversations kind of coming out of those early days and sitting there. I remember we had tea and we just talked about everything and I loved hearing your story. And that is where this all started, honestly, is curiosity about other people and just spending time with people. I love consumer behavior. I love finding out why we are the way we are, which I think is an innate part of all of us. You know, it's why we go on these personal journeys to try to better ourselves and figure out who we are. Um, but more tactically, I just loved fashion and design. I grew up in a very small town in South Florida, about an hour north of Miami. And I went to college at NYU, which was my dream. And it was great. It lived up to the dream, I'd like to report. And then I was in New York for 12 years. And you know, it was my passion for art, design, fashion that made me want to go to the, the city like most people. And then Timing-wise, it's always interesting. I don't know if you've ever read The Outliers, the book by Malcolm Gladwell, but the primary concept is that like the timing of your life is very important in terms of like, you know, Steve Jobs couldn't have created what he created if he was born 10 years earlier. Or if he was born 10 years later, maybe he would have created in a very different way. And not that it's at all on that scale, but by the time that I graduated college, the traditional industries of working at a publication all the things that you see in movies and dream about were slowly crumbling. So I was very fortunate to just see that moment of the internet becoming what it is that we know today and e-commerce and just the digital universes that we all live in um, starting to take form in a very consumer-friendly way. So listening to your story, it was so interesting. Right place, right time. I just somewhere I can't remember was listening to someone talk about that. I guess they were referencing outliers where if Steve Jobs hadn't done that, it was talking about our innate gifts. Like we're all good at things and being in the right place at the right time makes a huge difference. But if Steve Jobs didn't do that, he would have done something else. It's really about what are we good at totally. and the right time, the right place for that specific thing. I think that's the comfort in thing is knowing that no matter what decade you're born in, you're actually going to manifest the thing that you need. And I actually just finished the book 
tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, which is a high recommend of a read. And the main character, Sadie, was asking her business partner, they make video games. She was saying to him, like, what if we weren't born in this decade or what? He was like, we would have eventually done this anyway. We would have been game designers. We would have done this in the capacity that we're supposed to do it. So I'd like to think that's what happened when I graduated in 2012. But it's been interesting the last even a few years, I feel like the decade shift is real now that we're in 2023. I feel like the last three years, there has been a hard shift culturally, which makes me very excited. What do you think? Well, two things I want to say. One, have you you've read The Creative Act by Rick Rubin? Yes, I have it right next to me right now. Not that people are looking, but I just lifted it up. <laughs> I have mine in the other room. I'm, I just moved. And so I'm still in the moving. You see, like everything's better. Totally. I'm trying to figure out where does everything go? If I rearrange the apartment one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. But that <laughs> book, there was one specific part in it where Rick talked about how, you know, we're connected to the infinite intelligence, whatever we want to call it. And the ideas are trying to come through us all the time. And if we don't grab onto them, they're going to pass on to someone else. And it's for me, something about that moment was a relief. It was like, oh, I'm co-creating. This is not up to me only to figure this out. I can get the ideas through whatever you want to call it, infinite intelligence, higher source, and I can be a catalyst for that and I can make it happen. And it's, it reminded me of what you said about the outliers. Like if we don't, the timing is everything too, and also grabbing onto the opportunity. And so I think there's a lot of people, they might think, oh, I'm too late in the game or I'm too old or I'm too this or I'm too that. And none of that really, maybe sometimes it matters, but I think a lot of times it really doesn't matter because it's really all about taking the leap and seeing where it follows you as well. Totally. And I love that book. And other two recommendations that I've read prior to The Creative Act are Julia uh, Cameron's The Artist Way, mm -hmm. which is very much the same philosophy in terms of just like showing up every day mm -hmm. and the thing will come to you. And then also Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. You know, she had this idea. She didn't really take it. It, it manifested in another person. It's like all of these things exist in the world and in the universe. And I think the challenge of being a creator or a creative, whether that's from a business perspective, a brand perspective, an artist perspective, whatever your medium is, the biggest challenge is just showing up every day and be ready to receive. And I agree with you. I think it's hard to remember it, but that's why we have books like this. Thinking about the universe, it kind of takes the pressure off because you're like, it isn't all on me. Um, otherwise, it becomes kind of impossible to like move one foot in front of the other. I, I love studying metaphysics. I love studying the new thought leaders and all of these amazing individuals. And they talk a lot about the laws of the universe. And there's one, the law of divine transference, which is if I take one step towards my dream, it takes one step towards me. And I'm always thinking about that. It's like, all I have to do is just take one small step, one small step. And especially, you know, it's in, well, one of the next question I wanted to ask you, not from the list of questions I have, but from what we were just <laughs> talking about, about the shift of the digital age. I think right now, especially, it can feel so intimidating to even take that first step because it seems we have to have 100,000 followers or we have to have our brand look a certain way or everything is so perfect. And I think a lot of listeners, especially from the Benchon community, are just starting out and they're really, you know, maybe wanting to change their life or maybe they're wanting to go from working in an office to starting their own business or taking their business to the next level. And I know it affects me as well, even though my business is going to be five years old, which is still very, very baby. Yeah. But looking, you know, it's like, oh, you have to constantly bring yourself back in or remind yourself. So how have you built Crown Affair sort of like maybe staying in your lane and focusing on what's ahead of you and not comparing yourself to 
if possible, the bubble of the growth that's happening right now, especially in the digital landscape? Yeah. So I think if you're someone who's starting out with a new idea, it's actually the le- like the least intimidating time because the barrier to entry to just create a community even is actually quite low. It's just about being a little bit brave. And like you said, putting one foot in front of the other and being like, I'm going to start a WhatsApp group and see if this is a real community. You know, on day 90, you can figure out if you want to make a landing page or on day 130, you can figure out if you want to like take that WhatsApp group and put it in a, in a whatever platform. So I think it's actually the, just a really exciting time to start a thing without overthinking it. And that's going to be the thing that gets you to the next thing. What I will say is I think it's the hardest time it's ever been to actually build a business. So once you have the idea, once you have the community, once you have the product, it is really challenging to grow and scale. And every day I wake up and I laugh at myself being like, if only I had the lever of like, I wish I were a celebrity or I wish I were an influencer by trade. Like, but I, I don't have those levers, you know. All I have is the vision and the community and what and the quality of the product, which I think is very important, specifically in the the category I'm working in with beauty. But because that is what builds a business at the end of the day, is people continuing to come back and repeat purchase product and telling people about it. And that you actually can't fake. That only happens if the product is great. And that grassroots word of mouth. So I do think there is some faith in knowing that if you put great work into the world, whatever category you're in, it will grow organically. It's just when you put the pressure on yourself to like have a silver bullet to like explode or grow overnight. And those things can happen, but those things can be really destabilizing for a business as well. And I always say like, no one ever got mad at a slow summer, like whether it's with cooking eggs, like low and slow or relationship romantic, like there's actually nothing wrong with taking your time. And sometimes that's when things are really beautiful. And that's definitely at odds a bit with like the idea of growing a business quick. There's definitely been a lot accomplished in the last three and a half years of Crown Affair for you as well in the last five years. Like that's still very much the infancy or toddler years of a business that is not mature. But I do think that it's about finding that balance of like creating a real foundation and planting a lot of seeds versus like one seed, one pot. I really hope this thing works. Like the secret is showing up every day and like having a lot of little seeds because maybe a couple of them will sprout. It's so funny when I plan these episodes and I do all my pre-research and I add all my questions, it never ends up being the questions ever. Ever. It's a good thing, I think. <laughs> I just love talking to people and and sort of getting under behind the scenes. And I love that you brought that up because I read something somewhere about um how when people win the lottery overnight, for example, they sometimes end up in a worse place than before they won the lottery because they don't know how to handle all that money. And I always thought that was very interesting because it was the same thing with business, where it's like there's this pressure coming from somewhere to grow, 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 build, build, build. And, you know, whether it's social media or whether it's that's sort of like the lens of marketing now. I had personal friends that were like, you have 200 people in your course, 300, why not 4,000? And I was like, "Eh, okay, maybe. But I think that that's such a great point to emphasize that the slow burn is where we learn the lessons. And I love that you said it was destable. It can be destabilizing because if we go fast and furious. It's kind of like, can we handle all of that? Are we able to deliver? 
you see this all the time with actors as well. You look at like a Brian Cranston or a Pedro Pascal, like the way that Pedro Pascal is blowing up right now. And he's seemingly like grounded and funny and connected. It's because he had a very long career of like, you know, very foundational work. He was not famous. He's in his four, you know, it, same with Brian Cranston. Like he obviously popped off and had great success and was a working actor with Malcolm in the middle, but like breaking bad changed his life. And like, you're a fundamentally different person in your forties and having 30 years or whatever it is, or fifties, 30 years of just doing the work. So then when it happens, you're in like a relatively grounded place. And, you know, we see this with like child actors. I mean, granted, everybody's different and has their own story, but it's like, that's just a lot to process, especially if you're young. But even then, I mean, if you start something later in life and it pops up really quickly, it's like, you see this with the cycles of the internet too. It's like, if someone becomes really famous really quickly on TikTok and then it like the crowd turns, you know, it, it all goes back to these stories of, it's just all very cyclical humanity, people supporting you, people taking you down, especially if you really pop off and you want to have years of a foundation of like, a real audience, real customers, real people who have been a part of this, the lifetime value, if you will, of the people that you've brought into your fold is going to be so much higher. And as many businesses as there are, there are as many ways to run a business. Like for somebody that's in your world, it might make sense to do a 5,000 person course and just churn this out because that's the benefit of what the course is or the price point is super accessible and you do it remotely. And I think thinking about product market fit is very important for whatever business you're in. And it's about the lifestyle you want to build, you know, and how you want to move through the world. And to me, how we connect with our community and customers is so important. I'm sure you feel that the same way with your audience and community. So I really value like that low and slow and intentional. And sometimes that's harder, but like, I promise it is always worth it. I had one mentor years, uh, old boss who I would consider a mentor. He said something that I don't know why it stuck with me. It, maybe it gave me permission to go slow, but he said, your business is not really a business until it's five years old. And something about that, I was like, if I can just do this for five years, which for some people in this day and age seems like a lifetime. And I promise you it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. I actually spoke at a college the other day and, you know, these are, they're graduating seniors and I was telling them, I'm like, I know it's probably so tempting to just like start consulting, start being a content creator. Like you can get all these quick wins, but like, I cannot stress to you how valuable it is to work for someone, (laughs) like, like go work for someone. And I mean, I've worked for people for over 10 years before starting Crown Affair, you know, and you learn from other people's wins and mistakes and you learn how to build a team. You learn how to raise money, whatever it is you want to do. I just guarantee that I would not be able to do what I'm doing without the decade of working for other people. And I agree with you. I think being like, okay, let me start to look at this in a real way at the five-year mark. It allows you to like set the pace, view this as a marathon. And one of the things I've been thinking a lot about, we obviously say take your time all the time at Crown Affair. That's our mantra. But I've been thinking a lot about the phrase, nothing needs to be rushed. And to me, visually, I think about like already arriving. It's just waiting for the time for it to manifest. Um, Like you have everything that you need and you have the vision and you have the plan. It's just like, you can't actually rush it. And if you try to rush it, it's not going to work in the way that it's intended to. I love that. I always think of there's the golden thread and 
it's just, we can have our vision and that's everything that I'm about with Benjamin. I'm sure you're very about yeah. like we can have the vision and at the same time, the universe has a vision for us as well. And it's really interesting that constant, you know, co-creation that's happening in the dance that's going on. But for similar, I learned so much along the years of working with other people, working in the fashion industry, working in the wellness industry, working in the beauty industry and seeing what I liked and what I didn't like. And it's so, I always encourage people to work for other people. I think it's really a time now where people, and we do have this incredible opportunity to launch something. We can have the command of anyone's attention at the at our fingertips. And I think that there's also a lot of pressure I see in people that maybe come to ask me questions or, you know, uh, wanting to do it all themselves and do it now. And it, there's sort of this ego trip about working for someone else when they do know their gifts and their talents. And I'm always like, go work for other people because my dad said something very cute that I, I'm like, you are really enlightened underneath of all that. But he said, I was um, working in an office space that is in a different industry than me, but some of the most incredible creatives in the world. And he said, that's amazing. Ride the wave. And I loved that. It was like when you put yourself in the sphere of people who are better than you, you learn so much and you ride the wave as well. So another question I have is um, a lot of people feel like when they're putting something out into the world, they have to reinvent the wheel and start something totally new. And what I love about Crown of Fair is from what I understand of your story is you were just like, there's something missing. You know, it wasn't about making the first shampoo and conditioner and dress, but you were like, I'm, there's something missing from what I'm doing or for my daily routine. And I feel like most people who have launched uh, an incredible business or brand, they just, there was just something missing. It wasn't like quantum physics and creating something new. So what led you to creating and building Crown Affair? That is the whole thing. It's just connecting the dots and figuring out what the insight is and creating the thing that you want in the world and then positioning it in a way that gets other people to be like, oh yeah, that is what I want. That's what I've been seeking. And I haven't taken the time to like think about it. With Crown Affair, I'm obsessed with hair. It's like my final accessory. It's the thing that makes me feel like dialed and just together. And I love I love taking care of it. You know, years of intentional brushing, giving myself scalp massages. You know, it wasn't really until the last like five or six years, I would say, that I really started looking at ingredients in hair care. And I, I was buying salon products, you know, like it was all of the luxury brands that you've seen for the last 10, 15, 20 years that do make your hair look great if you have the time to style it and use heat tools nonstop. And honestly, it's kind of like makeup brands. Like now you would never launch a, a makeup line that doesn't have skincare benefits, but you can kind of get away with just having makeup that might not also be good for your skin if the formulas are from a while ago. So yeah, it was to me, it was like, I just want better quality hair products that also work because a lot of the stuff that was available in the clean space or the treatment space, I would use it on my hair and I would be like, my hair looks like an oil. So I, this is not working for me. I need to go back to the thing that works. I was listening to an interview with you were talking about like, there was only the whole food stuff. And I was like, I have been trying to find the hair product that's natural or not almost, you know, has good ingredients that, and whenever I do it, my hair looks like I haven't washed yeah. it in a month. Yeah. And that's not okay. I think you get a little bit more wiggle room with like makeup and skincare. Cause if you're using like a clean eye cream or like a clean blush, like 
it might not be as pigmented as like the blush that is filled with Lord knows what, but like you can kind of still wear the blush, you know, if your hair doesn't look or feel good or feels whatever, you're going to go back to the thing that works. And yeah, I was just really seeking, I think that intersection and also something that didn't like shame me into feeling so disempowered, like so much of the language in this category, because it comes from the culture of like fixing, taming, managing, repairing. It's like, what if we just cared for it? You know, like what if we were a little bit more proactive and connected to it and intentional. And I think that there is this, and we're seeing it now, there's a massive cultural shift around this in terms of people being like, okay, if I'm going to dye my hair all the time, I'm going to need products that like are really healing. You know, I think we're seeing it with nails a little bit too right now. I'm seeing it on TikTok, like people being like, this is the season to heal. If I take care of the thing, then maybe I don't need. Yeah. It's the healing season. I always joke that my like second full-time job is talking to people about taking out their hair extensions. And by the way, totally fine to have them, but like get a little bit more connected to the root. And I think as a culture, we're trained, for example, if you have, you know, a breakout pop up on your chin, you're very like, oh, this is connected to my hormones. Where with hair care, we don't always see it as like a reflection of what's going on inside. And it is a journey. It's a conversation. For me, it's about creating a space for people to have that conversation and my whole mission is to just get people to like be excited and nerdy and like love hair and do it in a way that like also makes people's lives easier. I think fewer, better ingredients to your point with like the whole whole foodsy thing, like a huge conversation in beauty is, is not happening is around quality. You know, it's not just clean or not clean. It's like, I always say like most of beauty is kind of giving you Jamba Juice and like you really want the Erwan smoothie. And it's not that Jamba Juice like isn't a smoothie. It's just like the ingredients in there are going to do something different to your body. And I deeply believe that like everything we introduce in our lives holds energy and I just want to put like the, even just the combs, right? It's not a formula product, but like having combs that are handmade in Switzerland from plant-based cellulose acetate. It's like, of course there are combs that you can buy, but like they just feel different. And I think when you have something that you look at and you're like, oh, I'm excited to like use this thing and like care for myself. It's, I don't know, to me, it's transformative. And and that's what I wanted to to put into the world with Crown Affair. Yeah. And I think that what I love about Crown Affair is there's this ritual aspect to it where it's not just by the shampoo, by the conditioner, by this or that, by the brush. There's It's a whole package and it really feels like hair care, you know? And I had a skincare brand, a small one. That's yes, what Benjamin yes. started. And that's what I had such bad acne at the time. People don't know. I wish I had pictures because I, and I did somewhere at some point that it was cystic acne, like the biggest painful all over. And all I was doing was putting in products and ingredients on it that was basically stripping the oil off the layers, trying to dry it out. It was very attack yes. methodology. And the dermatologists were like chemical pee. It was what my skin is still years later yeah. repairing from the stripping away. So when I had the skincare line, the first, when I first started Benchon, everything was, it wasn't so much about this product is going to change your life. These are the ingredients that is going to heal everything. It was really about how can I get the best quality ingredients and create a ritual where people can take care of themselves? Cause that's what I was looking for. And with hair, I chopped off six inches Yeah, last year. <laughs> which I will never do again. Um, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, tell me more. Unpack that. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll get into this. So 
I practice Kundalini yoga and there's one practice within it that's about not cutting your hair. And it's really about a choice. It's not like you have to not cut your hair. It's really just talking about your hair is protein strands and it's part of your nervous system as well. And it's part of you and your hair wants to grow out to its length that it wants to grow to. And it's interesting why we have hair in different places. I shave this and that, but the hair, the long, you know, that was something that I got very connected to. Went through a lot in the last couple of years. I hadn't cut my hair in seven years, which is like a full cycle. Yeah, it is a full cycle. It's a full hair cycle. It's like six to seven years is the full hair growth cycle. Oh, really? Because I had chopped my hair off at that point too. Wow. And I decided I was never going to do it again. Clearly, I'm not the person on my word when it comes (laughs) to my hair. But um, there was a voice inside of me prior to cutting my hair that was like, grow out your bangs. And I was like, okay. No problem. Because remember I had the baby bangs. Yeah, I loved those too. But you look stunning in all of the ways. Continue. Sorry. I was like, okay, it's time to grow up my bangs. I felt really good about that. And then the voice came back a couple months later. It was like, chop all your hair off. And I was like, I'm sorry. We went through this already. I was like, there's something about this that I have to do it because I went through so much and I wanted to clear it out. And I, you know, there's a lot of ritual around hair. And so I went and I chopped off six inches and it was in a nail in the heart. I was gutted from it. I knew that there was a benefit to it and there was a reason it, I felt like all my sexuality was stripped away, which was very interesting to go through that or sensuality. And I realized that I was sort of using my hair as a iron blanket for it. And I really had to cultivate it from within. So that was one thing. And of course, everyone can do, you know, I have friends that look good with short hair and long hair. But since then, I've gotten very interested in hair care and how can I actually let it grow back to its healthiest, fullest quality. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. Hair is so personal and so emotional. And all of the things that you just described are things that I think about often and talk to people about. And, you know, sometimes you don't realize how powerful your hair is until you chop it off or until you lose it. If there's a medical condition or something going on, like that's when you're like, wow, this is something I really need to shift my perspective on and care for. Yeah. I mean, and then also you'll get people who are like, it's just hair. I think that's what's so fun about it. There's so much room for like play and expression, but also again, like I think there's so many like witchy fun things about hair. Like there's so much power in it. Um, And I love looking at it in that perspective. Same. And it's, it's not something where I feel like I have to challenge myself by, you know, not having long hair to really awaken my sensuality was, oh, wow, I use that as an extra tool. Now let me build it from within and grow my hair back and have that too. I think that's super powerful. I had a friend who, when her and her husband separated, they did a beautiful ritual of shaving each other's heads, which sounds to me insane, but it was like one of the most beautiful things that I've heard. And they like wrote each other letters and she has since, and there's like nuance there too, in terms of like her relationship to her hair and different styling and what her husband like and didn't like. And I know how freeing it was for her. And I think what you just described, which is like, it does become a tool. I definitely lean into it. My hair is very long right now because the stylist I've been seeing for 13 years, I was supposed to see her in August. She ended up traveling. It's been like an extra three months basically right now. And my hair is so long. And on one hair hand, I I do enjoy it. It's it's beautiful. It's healthy. I love taking care of it. On the other hand, I'm like, oh, I'm excited to release something. I really do feel like <laughs> I do feel like I was a tree or something in another life. And that's probably why I'm in hair, because I do feel like these are our leaves and they do need pruning and they naturally fall off. There's something very like 
cyclical and natural and a really beautiful release to the process as well. It's so interesting because I always had really long hair and good hair, you know, yeah, like good quality. My hair was always thick and there was nothing that was of concern. Studying acupuncture was very interesting to start to see the connection between, that was the first place I ever learned about the connection between hair and health. There was nothing else out there that was, you know, back to your point about, you know, really getting to the root of it. There was nothing else out there that really taught about the quality of your hair just because it's a lot of skincare. We know that in skin, the quality of our skin, what we see in our face is a reflection of what's happening internally. Hair the same way. And seeing so many patients in the clinic over and over again dealing with certain conditions would would have similar um, people who had hormonal conditions or something going on with their period or PMS or symptoms with, you know, um, PCOS. There was always something, not always, but a lot of times something was going on with the hair. And it was really interesting to start to see the connection between hormones and hair. And it's for me, I'm going to be 34 this year and just starting to see Grace come in. Yeah. And they all just came in real quick this year. And I'm just like, oh, how can I start to create the foundations now for really healthy, beautiful hair um, for the rest of my life, too? And I'm learning so much. And it's so funny. I opened up Pandora's box around it. And that's what I love about Crown Affair. You really create the ritual for it, which I'm sure is what built a lot of the community around it, too, as well. For sure. And it goes back to the consistency we were talking about before, like with Rick Rubin and Julia Cameron. It's like, The showing up every day thing to receive what you need, I think is so powerful versus like the, that is the ritual, you know, and it allows for consistency. And I think taking time to like understand your hair ultimately gives you more time back. Like anything, you know, it's like the long run and that consistency, like it's kind of a life hack, but it seemingly is not presented as one. It seems like more time up front, but the truth is, is you end up getting a lot more time and and also just how you talk to yourself. You get so much more time back in that way too. Mm-hmm. There was an article somewhere that talked about how, you know, when I was really trying to heal my skin, there was an article that opened my eyes that was basically like, if you're attacking your skin, your skin's going to reflect that. Your body's going to reflect that. And it was really true. I didn't take any time. Everything that happened when I looked in the mirror was very attack. There was attacking myself, attacking my body. The inner talk was attack as well. And I thought, my body is probably just mirroring how I'm treating it. And there was something that came to me where I was like, what if I just really treat it intentionally? I think it's going to reflect that back as a symbiotic relationship. And that's what changed my skin. And then with my hair, you know, what you said about scalp, it's like, let me bring this into every aspect of self-care. Totally. And skin is tough. I mean, I had acne, the second I moved to New York, I didn't really have acne growing up. And then I moved to New York at 18 and I just had terrible acne. And it's taken me so much time to map it to what it is, which is hormonal. And, you know, there are things that I eat, whether it was gluten, there were things that were just causing inflammation in my body, dairy. I was, you know, and I still like, it's not that I'm not indulging in some of those things every once in a while. Like dairy is a tricky one for me because I do love it, but I, I know right now that I'm connected to what's happening and so much more in tune. I'm like, if I do this thing, this will happen. So it's all about choice in that respect and feeling empowered. So it definitely takes time. And and I think all of this is hard. I think beauty is one of the most powerful languages and tools that we have, but it, it can also be 
really tough and changing our perspective on it is I think our work because we did not grow up in cultures that were empowering in terms of our beauty. So it's one little step at a time. And again, finding balance, like, don't get me wrong. I love like a full on blowout styling moment as much as the next person. But am I doing that like every day and feeling bad about myself if I don't like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And your brand really embodies that as well. You know, it's really you know, it embodies that it's really for the modern person. You know, it's not about extreme on one end or extreme on the other end. It's really about this is for the modern person and really about meet yourself where you're at, essentially. Totally. Um, So I just have a couple more questions, which are like heavy hitters, but we can hear them. (laughs) Okay. So uh, one of the things that really moved me when we first met was how kind you were. And we talked about this a little bit before the podcast started, but it really touched me because I have met so many people around, you know, over the years, as I'm sure you have. And I've heard stories about people who own business who are just not very kind. And you seem to be one of the kindest people I've met. And also, I just wanted to know for you, what inspired you to lead and run your business in a way that reflects that? Because I think that there is a sort of paradigm that to be a boss, we have to be mean or to be a boss, we have to be really firm. And of course there's firm and, and, you know, being influential to our team and at the same time building a culture where people feel value seen and respected. So what influenced you to build and grow Crown Affair the way that you have, especially internally? Thank you. First and foremost, it's very sweet of you. I mean, honestly, it's a combination of things. I would say one, I worked for for a lot of people for the last decade who were rooted in that masculine energy of bulldozing to achieve and going harder, better, faster, throw a bunch of things at the wall, move fast and break things. But I always say when you move fast and break things, they're not things, they're people, you know, and companies are just people. So, so much of what I wanted to create and very candidly, the pandemic was a really positive, I think, piece of this transformation as well, which is like people come first we need balance in our life. It is truly the only sustainable way to grow a business. My team's happiness is very important to me. But the other piece is like, I've been all of them at some point, not like literally, I've never done operations or like, you know, supply chain or whatever, but like metaphorically, I have so much empathy. I worked for a lot of people who just kind of started companies or maybe didn't work in an industry and then started this thing. I think maybe two of my former bosses had like worked at length before. And there are so many visionaries, you know, you don't need a traditional job or anything, but I do think when you've worked for people and you know what it's like to ask for a raise or, you know, navigate situations at work where you're presenting both upwards and downwards. Like I just have a lot of empathy for my team and I don't know, it's just more fun. I, I see everyone as, as like equals. I know that sounds like silly and I'm sure founders, but it's like, I want to sit on the floor and create stuff with people. You know, I I don't have an ego around that. And I think keeping perspective that like, again, this goes back to like, it's not just saying we're all human, right? It's like, no, I, I mean that. It's like everyone goes through highs and lows and there is this myth of what normal is. And I think about this all the time when I talk to friends who might be like really in a little spell of like, I'm so upset. I'm comparing myself on Instagram or whatever it is. And we all get in those moments. We're all triggered by things, but like, man, you really got to do the work to remind yourself that like, we're all going through literally every single thing. Like 
whatever something looks like is not what it appears to be. And that doesn't mean that life isn't like great and beautiful and that you don't create like the luck that you have. And, you know, but to me that that's the root of kindness is like realizing there's room for everybody at the table. And, and, you know, with all of this, with taking your time and building a business with being inclusive and knowing that there's room for everyone. I think that you still keep that fire as a founder, you know, like you see people doing good work or you see people copying you. Like I'm definitely not like, you know, abundant all the time in that capacity, but I do think that kindness is the way and myself included, we all just want to be seen and heard, you know, that's human nature. And it's definitely slower sometimes to build a business that way. But like, I love sitting and talking with people about their hair. And if that takes one person out of time, then so be it, you know? Yeah, I love what you said, because I think that we're in such an amazing time right now, especially as female business owners, where we get to create a new way of leadership. And I think that so many of us now are really choosing, okay, how do I lead from the heart, maybe instead of the head? And we do need both. You know, there's times where my team knows that like if there's an email that comes in where someone's not valuing our time or energy, like, oh shit, you know? And it's a funny kind of oh shit because we become such good friends and we laugh about things. And, but you know, it's like, there's a boundaries around how we want to be treated, you know, working with other people and also people who work with me. But for me, it was kind of similar where I, over the years worked with people. I I worked in menswear. I think I told you. And there's something about, being in menswear where they always took me under their wing and it felt very big brother, you know, not the creepy big yeah. brother, but like big yeah, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I had a question, I was like, let's go on the stoop and smoke a cigarette and talk it out. It was very yeah. like familial. And I always loved that. And they gave, they had a lot of trust in me. The the two bosses that I worked with right before I got into the wellness, they had a lot of trust in me. They gave me a lot of responsibility off the bat. And anytime I had a question, they were very open to answering. And that really stuck with me. And also there were certain things as I started to run Benchon where things would come out of my mouth as a, as a new business owner, like within the first year. And I, when people were working for me and they missed a deadline, the, the way I said things, yeah, it was like, oh, where'd that come from? You know? Yeah. I know where it comes from. It comes from society. It's sorry to interrupt you, no. but I, I could not resonate more with what you're saying. I think for me, there's been so much unlearning coming from cultures of fear and shame when you make a mistake or you don't know. And this has just been the most beautiful practice. Like again, since, you know, we, I launched Crown Affair six weeks before the pandemic, like this time is in our DNA. It has allowed me to be so mindful because my innate reaction is what you just said, right? Like that's, that's how you build things. I think entrepreneurs, you're hard on yourself. You want to build, but you realize like what got you where you are is not going to be the thing that gets you where you need to go, especially mm-hmm. with empowering and growing a team. We have a, a little ritual um, and saying at Crown Affair called BLT, believe, love, trust. Every birthday we that. all go get, we all go out and get BLTs together, which started <laughs> as like a fluke accident um, after launch day. But believe, love, and trust. And it's like, sounds so corny and like, it should be on a sign on a wall, but like, dude, there's something about just trusting and then knowing when somebody might make a mistake, that the way that you communicate that it, you can, it's, you just can't come up from a place of for, like fear or shame. And, you know, I think back, I had someone working with me early on that like accidentally CC'd like 300 people instead of BCC. And like, I definitely did not keep my cool because it was so early, right? Like two months ago, our team for the first time ever 
sent an email that had Laura Ipsum in it. And like old Diana, like especially pre-pandemic would have been like, who did this? What did this? And I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, I've done so much work this last three years leaning into feminine leadership and just the no splashing and like not creating fear. And just, I was like, wow. I, to myself, I was like, that was not ideal. Obviously no one wanted this to happen. These things happen. We're human. Like, let's just create a system so this doesn't happen again. But it like wasn't a thing. Like everyone already knew. And I think that's about hiring great people too. It's like, nobody wanted that to happen. But guess what? It's really not a big deal at all. And also in like the world that we're living now, it's like, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you were getting one email a day and everyone was like, oh my gosh. But now it's like people move on 25 seconds later, they don't even remember, you know? So I think that goes a long way in terms of creating a sustainable culture. And that's just like a super tiny, tangible example. But like, how does that reflect in all areas of your business as you're growing? And how do you find it within yourself to be like the most graceful leader at all times? And I think that's the challenge because it's not inherent within our society. And as you said, we are very much the first generation of leaders where it's like, that's where we came from. That's where we trained from. And I love all my young team members, but I'm also like, you guys don't even know, you know? And I think that that's the timing luck and the balance. And I'm grateful that they don't know, you know, they, they shouldn't have to have gone through what we went through in terms of fear and shame and unlearning. And I feel like that is the legacy of what we're doing beyond just the work itself. I love what you said about sitting on the floor and just listening to everybody and talking and It's so true. We have such an incredible opportunity to lead in a different way now. One of the things that I feel really lucky that I was able to do is delete basically that you can't be friends with your employees. And that's something that I remember thinking that in the beginning and then something shifted and they're my closest people. Like I talk to them every day and there's when you develop that kind of bond, it's the support is unbelievable and it's really fun. I like what you said. It's fun. It's really fun to, I'm sure it's really fun to go out for the BLTs um, at someone's birthday or to really create community building in your team and to make everybody feel seen and valued is so important as well. Totally. And I think creating that space within the business is so key. And I go back to thinking about like what I wanted as an employee, Mm -hmm. like on one hand in my early twenties, it was fun to be like, actual BFFs with everybody. But the truth is, is I also feel like in this day and age, giving people space and balance is so key too. And knowing that they can come to you vulnerably and in a close way, but also be like, I'm going to take a a vacation now for a week. And I'm like, do you like, Mm -hmm. don't feel bad about that. And I think that's what friends are, you know, it's you're supportive to people versus like angry or shameful or any of those things that I definitely had to navigate in my 20s working. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you embody that. So they also reflect that. They see that. And I think that one of the things that's so interesting is our business is literally an extension of us. And in every way, it just mirrors out who we are inside and how we operate inside. And there's so much learning and unlearning that goes with that. And yeah. I don't know how people run businesses without doing any sort of inner work or coaching or whatever it is. I have no idea. It's so key. I mean, my coaches have been such a huge part of my life and helped me understand just, you know, I'm such a visual person. I'll sit with my coach, close my eyes, start to understand how I need to react in a moment. It's so essential. It's made me a better person. It's made me a better leader. It's made me a better partner. I feel very privileged. I'm able to do it. And you know, I think before I ever had a coach or anything, I was like, oh, I'll like, achieve, like, okay, I'll be done one day. But then you learn like, absolutely not. You keep evolving. And 
that's why I think it's so fun. Like I take a ton of notes and I journal almost every day and it's just cool to be like, wow, I, when I started working on whatever this thing was six months ago, I'm in like a totally different place with that. So it's Mm -hmm. very cool to see the growth and knowing that like it will keep evolving. Mm -hmm. Do you do the artist way every day? Yes and no. The answer is yes and no. I go through waves where I'm like really like five out of seven days a week doing my morning pages. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have like a couple techniques depending on if I'm traveling a lot. I'll do three song stretch, two minute mm-hmm. meditation, five minute journal. And that's my like quick digestible way to like stretch a little meditation, a little journaling. But is that my like ideal Sunday for three hours of like journaling and meditation? Absolutely not. But it's tough when you wake up and you I love that. Wanna, like, that's such yeah. a good way to start your, it's so, it's so refreshing to hear that because I'm sure people have an idea of what it takes to, you know, be successful. And I'm just smiling really big, like listening to Diana say that because it's so true. Like sometimes it's really, how can I just feel really good and get in the zone really quick? And I just love that recipe. Three song stretch, two minute meditation. What was that? What was that? Five minute journal. Five minute journal. Yeah. That way I like get my dose of everything without having to do like a huge workout, a 20 minute meditation and like a three page stream of consciousness. Cause it's just not a realistic way for me to live. But I will say if you do do the artist way, like there, it's nice to like do it and like stick to that and go through the challenge. I think now that I've done the 12 weeks of daily three page thing, I feel like it can't own me anymore, but man, I I love it. And truthfully, I, I need to get back into it, but it's, it's a time commitment. I will tell you that. (laughs) I still have never done the artist way front to back. Let's get a group together. If you want to do it, let's I would do it. Love that. I mean, I think that one of my girlfriends, Rachel Saunders, she started doing it and she really inspired me to do it. And I remember I even bought the book again. I bought it and I was like, let's, I want to do this. And I got to the morning pages. I did one day. I was like, my whole life just changed. I am a God now. And then the yes. next day I was like, fuck <laughs> this. I'm not doing this morning pages again, whatever. And it's so funny how we have resistance to what is going to change our lives. Totally. It's super hard to do. And I highly recommend anybody because I did the same thing, by the way. I ordered it after reading about it years ago, got through two, three chapters at most, had no accountability with myself. And yeah, I had a group my friend hosted a group September of 2020, which we all were at home and had time and it was transformative. And uh, I would love to get a group together again. So you just say when. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm shaking. I'm sweating in places that I'm not going to admit publicly, but I love being challenged in this way because it's so important. It's how we learn about ourselves. And there was a book I read called Money, A Love Story that I read years ago uh, by Kate Northup. And that's how I started to get my money under, um, I don't want to say control, but sovereignty, having more sovereignty around my financial situation because it was a hot mess. When I first read the book, it gave me so much anxiety. I kept, she's like, and she listed it out. She was like, when you read this book, you're going to fall asleep (laughs) and do everything else. You're going to do your laundry. You're going to scroll on your phone. She's like, but I encourage you to just read it and do it. And it Mm. took me a couple of years to do it. And I finally, when I did the book, it was so powerful. And the same thing was with the artist way. I know it's one of those things where I even went back recently and I reread it, some of it on a trip I took. And I was just, it was like, I read it through completely. I don't remember anything that I had read from the beginning of it. It was so, you just meet it through a different eye. Totally. And I think that's why it's nice to keep revisiting things. I mean, I love reading. If I had a dream day, I would just spend my day like journaling and reading and stretching and meditating. I think reading is so powerful. And exactly what you just said, so many books that I revisit years later and you have a whole new lens. So very powerful. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I just have one more question for you. But yeah, there's so many people who look up to you when it comes to launching and running a business. And I'm sure we can continue the conversation for hours and hours. Um, and I'm for sure you've also learned a lot of lessons along the way. So if you could go back to your younger self and tell her one or two things or to any of our listeners who are just starting out and launching, what would be one or two things that you would share with them that's maybe a piece of advice or a word of wisdom that you can impart? Such a great question specifically for now, because for the first time in my life, I'm like visualizing and going back to like young Diana and being kinder to her. I would say it's, which has been a whole journey, by the way, the most, one of the most important things that I've learned. And I kind of knew this when I was younger, but I would still tell her is like, relationships are the most important thing. That is how you're going to build your business. It's how your life is going to keep moving forward. Like take time to stay in contact with people, connect. I feel like with the digital world we're in, it can feel surface, but like really making time to like go sit and get coffee with somebody and hear how their life is going. I just feel like investing in relationships is very powerful. The other thing I would say, I wish I took my own advice is like, be a beginner more. I was so afraid of failing or being bad at something that I never tried. And literally for the, for example, I've wanted to take photos forever Obviously, it's like really easy now to just grab your phone and take photos. So that's I, just got, I really feel that I just got goosebumps when you said that. Really? Yeah. Ugh. It's just, you know, whatever that creative thing is, if you want to learn an instrument. But I've had I bought this, you know, 70s Canon AEI, whatever. It's like a great beginner film camera. I really want to learn. And last night I was just like, I'm going on YouTube. I'm loading this thing with film. I'm gonna just do it. And guess what? Like, if every single shot in this role is bad, like it doesn't matter. And I actually, honest with you, I was never able to really do that until recently. So trying things and not being hard on yourself when they don't work out or they're not good and just knowing that things do take time. So I would say, I wish I started all of these things earlier, but what's that that Chinese proverb? The best time to grow a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is right now. So taking that to heart. And it goes back to what you said earlier um, about, you know, everything is, t- timing is everything. And it's like sometimes I wish I knew things earlier and yet the way I learned it, even if it was the hard way, is how I had to learn it too as well. And yes. there's so many things that, you know, running a business, you learn things. I was just chatting with a friend who isn't just about to launch a business and it's amazing. And there was a bit of anxiety that she was experiencing and I was just like, okay, all right, here's what you're going to do and here's how it's going to go. But I remember being... yeah. I, in that position years ago, when something would happen, I would thought I was going to actually decompose inside. Yeah. But then you learn and it gets easier. And then with time, the next time something like that happens, you're like, all right, let's go. I got this. And you move forward. And then something else is going to happen. And you just learn as you go, for sure. Totally. That's one of my favorite things about you, by the way. I love how much you light up when like talking about other people's ideas. And I, I can just tell you're such like a a doer and problem solver inside. And it just brings me a lot of joy. I love it. There's like, I, I want to figure out, uh, we just launched a business course, which I'm obsessed with. And we have a bench on business course, which is um, eight weeks long. And we have 15 people that signed up for the first one. And it's, I'm just wow so excited about it because it's one of the longer, bigger mentorships we've done. And there is just something in me that I just love solving problems. I just love 
when people come to me and they're like, I have this. And it can be relationship. It can be business. It can be money. And I'm just like, yeah. somebody called me a cheerleader once. And I was really offended by it. <laughs> and then now I really own it. I'm like, yes, I'm everybody's cheerleader. And I just want to help people just uh, do what they want to do, you know? And I just, I, I don't know. There's something in there that's percolating. I had a psychic tell me that my success is going to come in my 40s. And mm. and I and I loved that because it gave me permission to relax a little bit. And also I was like, I'm so excited to see what that's going to be. Like, who is she? What yeah. is it? What's the next level? Who is she? Who is she? By the way, better word than cheerleader. Not that that's a bad word because we also love a cheerleader moment, but levitator. Ooh. That is why I called my company Levitate. There's a scene in the HBO documentary, The Defiant Ones, where Eminem is describing the relationship between Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. And he's like, Dre is the innovator and Jimmy's the levitator. And I'm like, that's it. With levitation. I love that's that. That's it. I love it. And I love, you know, that you find inspiration through other, through other spaces. Not, you know, I think one of the things that has kept me excited is, you know, looking outside of the wellness industry for inspiration to learn and grow. It's like you would have never found that word levitator if you were just so laser beam in one area. And I think that, you know, just running off of that, it's so important to find inspiration from all areas, you know, and different people. The people that inspire me the most, even as someone in the wellness industry, are not in the wellness industry. Yeah. No, I I feel that so deeply. I have like group chats and stuff where I'm always sharing things from outside of other industries. And it's just like, I think it's one of the most important things you can do and it helps you connect the dots. And it's a good reminder too, for anyone who's listening, who's starting a business, like you can have a lot of the same references or like inspiration, but it's how you put them together that I think is so powerful. And like, nobody can be you and that's your unique point of view. That's what you offer as well for your community is like, how am I offering you something through my lens because of all the things that I'm filtering it through. Mm -hmm. So I could not agree more. We just watched a documentary recently, um, Rap Caviar. I think it's on Netflix. And the first episode was Tyler, the creator. And I love Tyler, the creator. And it was so interesting actually watching that. And he had this part in it where he talked about when he, um, I have to rewatch it to see exactly who he's up against. I think it was Drake or Kendrick Lamar where he was up against a Grammy. And um, wow. basically he thought he was going to win and he did not. <laughs> and instead of letting that hold him back, he was like, he got in the studio and he just was like, I need to uncover my thing and who I am. And he started working tirelessly and he started trying all these new things and new sounds and exploring new people and was that loss or failure quote unquote that is what ended up making him who he is today i have the exact same i call it my villain origin story obviously i'm not Taylor the creator my villain origin story you know how in like in Marvel, there's like the villains and they have origin stories. So oh, they said my villa origin, no, no. my villa. I was like, tell us how you got the villa too. One day, one day we'll get there. No, my villain origin story is that I joke, by the way, but in eighth grade, there was like 60 kids in my class and they gave superlatives to literally 50% of the grade. And you grow up with your parents being like, you're special, like you're special. I did not win a superlative and I was just like totally gutted. I was like, I didn't win any, like not one of them. There were like random. And that was when I realized that I might not be special and I should figure out what it is that makes me tick and what I want. So obviously it was not a programming against Drake and whoever, but um, sometimes I think when you have an expectation for who you are or where you want to be and you don't necessarily like achieve that thing, it can be the best fire to like do the deeper work. And it was honestly in those years in eighth grade that I just like totally found 
who I was um, and who I wanted to be. I was like very like, you know, I don't know. It's obviously a larger conversation, but I think that's a really interesting story. And I think something for all of us to remember. And there's that line my dad always used to say it, but with every adversity carries a seed of greater benefit. And I deeply believe that. And it's just about taking shots, man. Like some are going to be wins, some aren't going to be. And I think that's what helps you build resilience, Mm -hmm. which to me is the most important thing you can, you have as a founder is like being able to wake up every day, who knows what's going to happen that day. uh, And being able to navigate it is what's going to keep you around. And you can't win if you're not around. So there was a video I just watched on my, um, highly reliable resource called Instagram Reels. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is my guilty pleasure. I am a Reels person and I figured out a system where I just send them all to myself so that I can watch them because I can't send them to any more friends. They're like, you're oh. cut off on the Reels. <laughs> but I saw this one with, I love funny ones. And then there's also, I have a lot of like motivational ones that come through. And there was this one that came through recently with Kobe. And he said, I, I forget what the question was, but basically that he's like, if I win, I still have to get up the next day and go back to practice. And if I lose, I still have to get up the next day and go to practice. So it doesn't matter if you win or lose, you still go practice and get better at what you're doing. And it's so, what you said about resilience is so important to remember that, especially when you progress down the line, whether it's a business or whatever, you realize that failure is not really a thing. And it's just learning how to grow from whatever it is that worked or didn't work and going back to practice. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait for this to launch and um, we'll see you around soon. Yes. I can't wait. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Thank you. If you like this episode, share it with someone else who you think would love it too. And if you want to explore the topics we discuss even further, head over to Benshin.co to check out our current courses, workshops, and upcoming events. And I'll be back next time to discuss more things that I'm so honestly into on Benshin Talks Shit. Mm-hmm.